Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Chip Nellinger. This is our Sunday edition. It just happens to be uh, St. Patrick's Day, so may the luck of the Irish be with you, Chip. Yeah, happy uh, St. Patty's Day. Enjoy yourself a nice pint of Guinness here, or a nice Irish whiskey of some sort there to celebrate the holiday. Don't tell anybody, but Attaboy. Attaboy. There you go. Good job. All right, man. So this week was a very positive week. Um, I think we started out up and we finished up. So um, talk to me about what you see happening out there. And there's a lot of moving parts. We got a lot of stuff to cover on this episode. So talk to me about what you see happening out there, Chip. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of moving parts, like you said. So we started the week off in the grain markets uh, <clears throat> with uh, a little bit of disappointment uh, on the China trade situation. Uh, but it was quickly uh, kind of reversed. So from the beginning of the week, we had uh, the pendulum, you know, one way thinking, all right, this thing's going to take a while. By the end of the week, um, we swung the, you know, 180 degrees the other way, and there was a lot of optimism. What was driving that? A uh, couple things, I think, on Thursday, uh, maybe one thing that really helped was on the export sales, we saw a massive purchase of uh, U.S. pork from China. And so that gave the market a little bit of optimism that, hey, if they're willing, you know, they bought beans recently uh, and they're buying pork, maybe they are going to follow through like the rumor has been swirling out there for uh, three months, it seems like. And they're going to buy uh, a fair amount of U.S. corn and maybe some DDGs and possibly even some U.S. wheat. So the funds are massively short, uh, record short in corn. Uh, they're record short in Kansas City wheat. They're loaded up short in Chicago wheat, uh, and there's short, uh, shorter than expected in, in beans even. <clears throat> so it's a lot of firepower on the, uh, on the short side of this market, and all we need is a couple, um, couple good pieces of information to get the funds back on their heels and, and exiting those short positions. And obviously to exit shorts, you gotta have a lot of buying um, to come into the market to reverse those positions and offset those positions. So we've got the market set up speculatively for a nice rally. We saw a nice rally at the end of the week. Everything closed um, nicely higher uh, on the grain side for the week. Um, we had a big reversal higher um, in cattle. That's weather related. We had massive, we closed the limit up Friday uh, in hogs. Hogs have had about a 15, almost $16 rally straight up. Um, started before the announcement of this uh, Chinese um, buying, um, you know, the big export sales announcement on Thursday, but we, uh, we were sharply higher on Thursday and, and then, uh, you know, limit up Friday. So really strong, uh, in the ag markets here, uh, over the weekend, um, not a lot of trade news, but there was, um, kind of a story out. I don't know how this will affect the hog market, maybe a touch negative. I'm not sure, but um, I guess it was customs officials, uh, someone uh, from 
the, the government side, the U.S. government side, uh, found, stopped um, a million pounds of um, Chinese pork from coming into the country. Um, kind of a, a, a stealth um, sting operation, if you want. Uh, that pork was hidden in all kinds of different products, detergent, um, inside other normally marked um, containers that were uh, coming in from China. So that was found and stopped. I'm not sure what the ramifications uh, of that are just yet. Uh, it might take a little bit of the steam out of the pork market. I'm not sure, uh, or the hog market, I should say. Not sure about that, but uh, we've got a lot going on. Strong close to the week across the board. Um, little optimism uh, about the Chinese trade deal. Friday, we also had, uh, would have been overnight Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, early Friday morning, uh, the Chinese legislature um, passed a law uh, kind of in, in what we've been asking for all along to put some protections in for intellectual property. So again, that caused a little buying interest on Friday because that was one of the main sticking points of this Chinese trade agreement. So you got weather thrown in there. It's cold, it's wet, uh, you know, massive flood problems. Um, you know, they're uh, in, in eastern Nebraska, parts of South Dakota. It's cold. The sun's finally shining. It's warming up a little bit here, but it's still cold. I mean, uh, we're getting up into the upper 40s, kind of touching 50, but it's down in the upper mid to upper 20s at night. It's still way too cold here to think about um, doing much field work. So we got to get the, the sun shining and, and some heat here. Um, and that's starting to maybe affect this market a little bit too. So we uh, finally, hopefully, swung the equation a little bit to the, to the buy side with a record short position in corn. Um, uh, on the fun side, they're massively short the other products. <coughs> Got the whole growing season ahead of us. Uh, we're up a little bit to start the overnights here. Uh, corn, beans, and wheat, both uh, a little bit higher to, to start the, uh, uh, the night trade here. Sunday night, so uh, we'll see what happens into the week here, but uh, we had kind of a, a wild week last week. Yeah, so one of the biggest things I thought may have, you know, you started looking at the market earlier in the week, you, you know, the China stuff started coming out that, yeah, we're going to we're gonna get to this, uh, we're closer than we thought with um, Whitehausen talking about, hey, you know, we're going to, we're, we're pretty close on something, they thought, the stuff rolled out Friday, um, with this intellectual property thing uh, that China passed, and but I think moreover, do you think now that that where we're at this time of the year, and as much snow cover as we still have, and as much field work that needs to be done, and as much flooding is taking place, and then you start adding the snow melt on top of that, what that whole you know Mississippi River Valley, Missouri River Valley, Ohio River Valley, all those that whole area, it's going to be hard to get stuff planted in in a, in a reasonable amount of time. I've read a lot of articles today about prevent plant and those kind of things starting to play into that into that picture. So, do you think that's having more of an effect on the market than than the China situation? I think it's starting to. I think by the end of last week, it was starting to a little bit. <clears throat> Some of the news we saw and the and the massive flooding and the pictures out there um, seems like it's only gotten worse since then. So, I do think it's starting to affect um, the market a little bit. It's uh, planting delays are really weird. It's it's uh, it's hard to get a lot of traction out of those until it's just you're right in the middle of it. So 
there's still time for things to turn around and, and we are geared up and, you know, we've got enough equipment nowadays. We can plant, uh, really rapidly, mm-hmm. but I do think that this is a little bit different than most springs, uh, particularly out your way. Um, it's been cold and wet here, but that can change quickly. Uh, but out your way, it's definitely a problem. And north, right. uh, it's, you know, still snow on the ground. It's it's melting, flooding. Uh, it's a bad deal. And I think the market's slowly waking up to that. I think you're still a couple weeks away from having it really affect the market. But if we get to, we turn the calendar to April and we're still talking about this, it's getting you know down in the 20s at night, and there's there's still rain. Uh, and, and the flooding issues out uh, in the uh, Western Corn Belt, uh, they will start having a much greater influence. But I think it's starting to a little bit. Like he, like I said, all you need is one little spark, and the funds have such a massive short position. Um, it almost boggles your mind a little bit. You know, I mean, as we sit here, you know, in, in our role, and, and you can't escape the fundamentals, right, of everything we're talking about, of, you know, good demand and and you know, really slow start to spring. And, but the funds don't care about that. Um, they really don't. It's, it's more of a math game to them, uh, money management. And when their computers say sell, they sell. And they don't care uh, what day we are on the calendar or what the fundamentals are of the grain markets. And we have to understand that that's a good thing. It, it's been ugly watching, you know, wheat drop a dollar in the last four weeks and corn drop 20 cents. And, you know, beans have been down on... Um, you know, two or three month lows here recently. And it's, it's hard to watch that, but it's working in our favor because all you need now is a spark. You got the whole growing scene. We haven't planted one kernel yet outside of maybe Louisiana and Texas um, and, and the deep South and everywhere else is, you know, way behind as far as starting the spring off. So all you need is that continuation of, of cold, wet weather. Um, some talk on China, they bought more corn you know, it just seems like we're at a low enough level. They're totally discounting the possibility that China could buy corn. Uh, you know, 3 million tons, 5 million tons. Uh, that's, a, that's a game changer. It happened to be 10 million tons. That's 300 and some million, 330 million bushels of corn. If it were 10 million tons, that was a number that was kind of talked about, um, you know, in the press multiple times. Well, that's um, a quarter of our carryout um, if that were to happen. So, the market's totally discounted that as a possibility and almost assuming that everything's going to go perfect and that we're going to uh, plant another record crop. We've had what four record corn crops in a row. So it's almost like the market discounts it and assumes we're going to raise a record crop. And the reality is we haven't even uh, turned a planter wheel yet. And it seems like in a lot of areas we're a long, long ways from doing that. So uh, long answer, I think the weather is going to start having more of an influence in the next three weeks. If we're still uh, sitting here after the 1st of April and talking about this, I think it'll have a much bigger influence and probably spur the funds to start exiting some of the short positions, create a lot of buying in this market. Yeah. Okay. So you started out talking about the hog market and how that was being affected by what was going on over there. The the hog purchase that you saw um, this week by China, do you think how much of that played into the Asian swine flu and, and uh, how much of that or Asian African swine flu. How much do you think that played into that? Because I mean, they've kind of hit a critical level over there. I mean, every time an article comes out, it's ten times worse than it was beforehand, and and you know, it's just one of those one of those things. A typical uh, a Chinese news cycle. You know, you don't necessarily get 
get most of the information, but not all of it. So how much of that do you think was affected by that? And then what's going on with the, with the hog market in the surrounding countries around there that are being affected by this disease? I mean, how do you think that's playing into that? Yeah, I think the uh, party line is that uh, they've got it under control, but I'm not sure they do. And even if they do, it's estimated they've lost 20% of their of their hog herd, which um, would equate to more hogs than what we raise in a year here. Right. Um, domestically, their pork prices are increasing. It's a large uh, staple in their diet. And so I think it had everything to do with the, the purchase that you saw. Um, I believe it was the third largest pork purchase um, ever uh, of U.S. pork um, by China. So it was a it was a big number. I'll have to have it off the top of my head, but it's a big number. I think it was entirely because of the health issues they're having. Um, the market um, kind of, I don't know if there was a little bit of, uh, you know, news that leaked uh, earlier because the market had started rallying before that news came out. And, you know, it's just unbelievable. I mean, we've uh, shot, uh, what, almost $17 higher, I believe, in the front month. And those back months are uh, up at or slightly uh, above 90 uh, in some of the sub- summer months. So, you know, we went from uh, just a horrifically low price hog market to two weeks later, we're, you know, making new highs in the, in the summer months. So that's a good, a good development. Uh, like I said, we'll have to see how this news over the weekend of this um, this, this bust of uh, imported, uh, you know, not even imported, I guess, uh, smuggled Chinese pork uh, attempt in the United States. See if that has any effect on the hog market. I wouldn't think that it's uh, positive, um, but you never know how it's it's spun. There's all kinds of crazy stories out there. I even read one opinion that um, it could have been almost a terrorist act. I'm not saying that to try to get that into the United States and infect the hog herd. It's hard for me to believe it's a, if it's a you know pork product that that's um, how that can get into. Um, you know, our swine herd, but uh, you've got a lot of different theories out there. But uh, hogs, uh, for sure, have with the you know, flip of a switch here, it's a much different market than what we were talking about two and three weeks ago, uh, four weeks ago, for sure, when we were at you know, multi month contract lows, right? And uh, all of a sudden, now we're at uh, challenging contract highs two weeks later, so. Yeah. Uh, night and day. Uh, so I think that's a good a good sign. It's probably not something that they're, uh, it's just a one and done type thing. Uh, if they have that many problems, they're probably going to be in, uh, at least at some point in the future, for some additional uh, U.S. pork products. That's a good sign. Uh, it helps support the, the cattle market. And then obviously the weather that you're seeing, uh, just horrific issues with the blizzard you guys had and the flooding. Um, it's just a catastrophic um, you know, hopefully once in a 20, 30, 50 year type of an event, but it is not good for the cattle industry. And so we saw a nice rally late in the week, sharp rally Thursday, Friday in the cattle market as well. That's largely weather driven there, uh, but that's ongoing and that's not going to fix itself overnight with the problems you guys are having in the, in the plains there. Yep. No, that's, it's a, it's going to be a problem. I mean, today, you know, we had that, that blizzard roll through here and then this weekend we've been up uh it started melting pretty much the next day you know we started having that this week we're supposed to be in the in the 40s and 50s but like you said back to that point we're supposed to be in the uh 
low 30s, high 20s for, for overnight lows. So we're going to get that thaw during the day and freeze back again at night. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a little while before we get stuff back together as far as you know getting back in the field and or getting out in the field to start doing some some field work and getting stuff ready. Yeah, that's uh, and that's what you don't want is uh, you know quick thaw like that and just make it muddy, sloppy feeding conditions. Just mm-hmm. it's been a rough, rough winter and and spring start to spring here um, for those cattle guys and uh, just a lot of problems. Yep. It's uh, it's not a good situation for them. Yep. So. So they had. Uh, if you take, let's talk about the cattle market now. That was my next my next topic here. So, if you look at North and South Dakota, um, before the week before we got the uh, blizzard that we got, um, they got about two and a half feet, three feet of snow, depending on where you're at, all through uh, the major cattle producing areas, and then uh, down across here, all the way through eastern Colorado, all the way down into Kansas, and and then they had epic winds and rain down in Texas, all the way through that same storm. So. A lot of issues right now that are facing the cattle market and just we're talking just conditions more than anything but we're talking about you know rate of gain and everything else that's going along with that and the amount of feed that they're putting in there so talk about the cattle market and some of the struggles you're seeing there and and, and how that market's looking yeah it's it's a tough one uh, it's been like i said all, all winter long they've been struggling um uh, rate of gain death loss uh, cow calf these these flood issues they've been having um you know have just been horrific you know you've heard stories of uh you know a lot of cattle just swept away in the flood um saw pictures and video of i forget what river it was but you know so a couple high spots in the river and there's you know dozens of cattle sitting there on high ground stuck stranded the water's still flowing uh, it's it's just a bad bad horrific deal for those guys and when it does straighten out it's something it, it, that's going to hang over this market for a while and I think that's part of the reason we had a pretty big technical reversal last week and just looked ugly on the chart um, typically this time of year you, you're talking about putting a spring high in kind of a seasonal high in the cattle market but this is such a um, an outlier year with all the weather conditions and the problems they've been having that the market um, supported and then rallied sharply into the end of the week. So uh, they're, you know, in the middle of those, that, that those problems are still there. When the weather straightens out, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's just perfect again and, and no more problems that the weight uh, gain issues and, you know, extra feed and the health issues and the death loss, that's something that's going to hang over this market um, for a couple more months. So, that could help tighten the beef market up a little bit. We can kind of catch a, a, a general upswing here. You know, they say rising tide lifts all ships. Well, it, you know, our whole ag market, the, the grain markets and the livestock markets all had a nice rally last week. So if you can combine that with some of the problems we're having, and you know, likely uh, lower weights, lower carcass weights. Um, you know, we kind of have been struggling with a lot of numbers out there on the Catalan feed reports, but... Um, with the winter we've had, uh, you know, weight gain is just, um, you know, really hard to come by out there. And so it's costing more money to feed them. They're not gaining as much and, you know, carcass weights are down. So what that means is not as much beef put out on the market. Uh, if you can combine that with some good demand, which we have domestically and the exports have been decent, uh, 
you could still see kind of a blow off top and that's something I would expect in cattle. We might be in the process of seeing that right now. Um, that's just one scenario that I'm kind of watching for. And when you see that, you can see an $8, $10 rally in cattle really quickly. Um, but if you see that, that's usually something that, you know, they call it a blow off top for a reason. It, it, uh, it's quick and then it's over with and you have to really be nimble if you're out there as a cattle producer watching for that as an opportunity to hedge and get some, some risk taken off the table, um, which is hard to do, right? The market's hard to focus on right now because, you know, it's uh, a horrific uh, type of a situation out there and you got a lot uh, of other balls in the air. So I would just urge any cattle producers out there, keep a close eye on these markets daily, um, watch for that blow off. I'm not saying it has to end that way. It could continue to grind for a couple more months, but in the past, just based on history, a lot of times you see a situation like this, uh, they say markets top on the most bullish news. Well, you're, you're getting to where we have the most bullish news. You could have a quick, sharp run higher, and that could be, you know, a multi, multi-month high as you digest the most bullish news. So I've uh, got to keep that in the back of our minds in the cattle market. Yep. Okay, so now shift over to what's happening down south in South America. Um, plenty of issues they're having their same relatively, uh, they're not perfect growing conditions down there this year like they've had uh not not nearly as bad as they were um last year but you're still seeing some issues uh the last crop report that came out um they lowered their overall estimate as far as uh, uh average yield goes so there's some issues down there and so how how is the south american um issues and and situations how how is that playing into what you see in the market now yeah i think the the main thing is we did see um a, a, a private estimate there out of Brazil at 113 and a half. And the most recent USDA number uh, here a week or so, a week and a half ago, uh, from the USDA is 116 and a half. Um, so that helps support the B market a little bit. Now, that's not a disaster crop. It's way less than what we thought uh, two and a half months ago, but it's not a disaster. It seems like that's stabilized there. Um, the weather is fairly benign right now. They're planting their second crop corn. That seems like it's going okay. Um, the uh, Argentina bean crop is, is progressing with harvest. Um, they're going to bounce back, certainly from last year where they were really uh, hit by a drought down there. Um, so generally speaking, you've, you've got still a fairly large supply of beans in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, luckily, it's not... Um, you know, a record in Brazil, they shaved that back some, but that's part of the problem we have in the bean market is we had a big crop here, we got a big crop, generally speaking, in the Southern Hemisphere, and there's a lot of, uh, of, of bean stocks in the world. So that's something we have to get through. You know, in my opinion, corn's much more friendly longer term than beans because of that. Uh, obviously, we don't know what the situation with the Chinese trade agreement could mean as far as demand goes. But whatever it is, um, there's a lot of supplies domestically and in South America that we got to chew through in the world. So uh, that makes it a, you know, kind of a, an uphill battle as we go. But um, crops a little bit shorter than uh, maybe we thought a couple months ago in, in Brazil, but overall uh, fairly ample stocks down there, um, kind of in the middle of harvest. I'd say they're on the downswing in harvest, probably um, – 55-ish, maybe working uh, towards 60% harvested in Brazil and uh, a little bit uh, behind that, maybe 40-ish percent in Argentina. They're a little bit later to harvest down there. 
Um, but uh, no real major flare-ups. Um, second crop of corn is going to the ground in Brazil. So the next uh, eight to 10 weeks are going to be important there. Kind of watch, make sure they don't uh, turn off hot and dry because that could certainly start affecting the corn market. So that'll be more and more important as you go here, how that uh, corn crop, uh, that planted corn crop in Brazil is uh, progressing and whether they get rain and, and how hot they get. So that'll yeah. start getting more critical probably in the next uh, couple of weeks down there. Yep. All right, so now since we're still in the Southern Hemisphere, let's jump over to Australia and talk about, you know, wheat had a great week for once. Um, I thought there for a while wheat was, wheat was only supposed to go down. I didn't realize it had a chance to come back up. But Yeah, I know. Therefore, this week was a, was a really good week, good week for wheat. And, um, you know, you take a look what's happened in Australia. They have had epic drought for the past, you know, five, three to five years for sure. Um, still has some unstable stuff happening in, in the uh, Black Sea region um, as far as, as wheat goes. So what's happened with wheat and, and what was the, uh, what was the big draw there to get, to get wheat back, wheat back up to, uh, to some positive uh, week, uh, positive return this week? Yeah. Like you mentioned, the, um, the Australian situation, they're about, um, they've really struggled, like you said, for several years, but really the last 18 months going on two years has been um, really bad for them drought wise. So, um, you know, that is definitely something that has supported the wheat market, but I think more than anything, it was technical. I think you just, you dropped wheat so far, so fast. The funds are so short that you just kind of ran out of sellers. I mean, certainly the farmer's not selling down here. You don't have any big hedge pressure. Um, and when the market turned around, it didn't take much. And all of a sudden there's nobody to sell the market and the funds sold it all. They need to buy it to exit. And you have these big air pockets of no sellers above the market and it rallies a lot easier. So, you know, fundamentally, it doesn't sound like the wheat market cares about fundamentals anyway. They've had a lot of friendly fundamentals and, um, you know, we're coming off of a multi-year low in here. So um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think it's more technical in nature. I think they kind of overextended themselves to the downside and uh, hopefully they're on the ropes and we can get a fundamental spark to get them, you know, on the ropes and wanting to buy out of their short position. And I think it'd be, it'd surprise you how uh, quick this market could recover if the funds decide that they're done um, selling and in corn and, and wheat, both, you've got some friendly seasonals coming to, into play here. Um, you know, just typically because of the season, you've got, you know, planting uncertainty and then the early part of the growing season of corn, and then you've got, you know, as wheat comes out of dormancy, how is it going to, you know, mature and are you going to get rain? And so the, the seasonals are, would be suggest we go higher now for wheat corn both. And um, yet the funds are sitting here with a massive short position. That's a good combination. We can get a little spark, uh, get them on the ropes and uh, coming out of their, those positions. We can see a nice rally result from that. Yeah. Now I was just, I was, I was shocked to see me. I wasn't, you know, obviously it was going to come back up sooner or later, but I didn't know it was going to take off like a rocket from Monday through Friday. I mean, it was just, it was a very surprising run that we took there late. Uh, you know, basically all week it was, I was shocked how, how much it took off. Yeah. It's uh, it just goes to show you, we talked about that before where, especially in corn and beans, we've been in just a sideways uh, range for seven or eight months. And, and, uh, the volatility we talked about it um, is going to come back, and I think you started to see that last week. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we can uh, we can see some more of that. 
yeah. And it looks like here, I haven't checked since we started, but uh, it does look like we kicked off on a higher note, uh, especially corn and, and beans yeah. uh, on, on the Sunday night trade. So that's good to see. Yep, it sure did. Yeah, I checked the ticker before we uh, we got started, and everything was everything was in the uh, in the green. So that was a it's a good sign, good sign. So, well, Chip, just like this wheat situation here, you had uh, an unpredicted uh, jump in the technical market, and and you know had an oddity pop up, and you had a week long run in wheat. So having a plan is a pretty pretty important thing when something like this happens. So if folks have a plan they're working on, or have a plan, or just need to have someone help them point in the right direction of a plan, how to do that, Chip? Yeah, it's absolutely critical to, to have a plan and, and execute it. So uh, we'd love to chat with you on uh, our ideas on, on how to make that possible. Our office number is 309-550-7213, and uh, we'd love to chat with you. All right, Chip. Well, good talk as usual. We'll uh, catch you again next week, and if something crazy goes goes on here with uh, what's going on with China or something like that, well, I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll hook up there. But till then, have a, have a good rest of this week, and we'll talk to you again next week. You do the same. Have a good week. We'll uh, we'll talk next Sunday. Sounds good, man. All right, thanks. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and GlobalAgNetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. See